welcome to Faith Point, the podcast ministry of First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley with Senior Pastor Carol Eldreth. Our goal is to allow our faith to intersect with real life. So let's join Pastor Carol today as he shares with us from God's Word. As we enter into the to the Advent season, the Christmas season, I mean the Easter season coming up, <clears throat> um, for those of you who are on on you version of the Bible, you use that on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer. Uh, if you would like to follow along with me and join with me in a in an Advent reading, uh, I will be picking one out this week. And if you, I'll invite you if you are my if you're friended with me already on you on you version. If you're on you version but haven't um, haven't friended me or haven't let me know, um, go ahead and do that this week and watch for that invitation. And together we will read a devotion every day and have a chance to be able to respond to one another about what God's saying in our lives. So so go ahead and and get on there if you're not on there. It's free. Uh, It'd be a blessing to you, uh, and, um, and so we encourage you to do that. There is a way, if you, if you just want to get an email uh, every day, there's a way to sign up just to get an email into your inbox that gives the devotion, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to have a, an app on your phone to be able to do that, but it's a free app. Just go to YouVersion, and you'll find it very easily. It's, it's, the, it's the most popular um, uh, e-Bible uh, in, in the world right now. Millions of copies are used uh, daily around the world. And now, uh, as we come to God's word, let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for your goodness and your grace in our lives. Thank you for speaking to our hearts through your word. And we pray that we would be receptive to what you're going to be saying today to us. As we've worshipped, you've spoken to our hearts through song and now through your word. Father, we pray that you, would, that you would touch us where we are in need of hearing from you. Father, we pray for life change in all of us today. Let us reflect the glory of Jesus Christ more fully in everything that we do in this room, but then as we leave this place, uh, let his glory shine through us. Now speak to us today. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We are looking at good news for the not so good. That's what <clears throat> we're calling this study in 1 Corinthians. We've been going through 1 Corinthians for a while now. We're just kind of going um, just passage by passage as we, as we come through it. Today we are in chapter 9, toward the end of chapter 9. So go ahead and take out your Bibles if you haven't done that. Uh, take out your sermon notes. Uh, so that you can follow along and fill in some blanks. Um, if you're online with us, you can get my sermon notes uh, to fill in right there on your computer. Um, and so go to our webpage and you can find that as well. Uh, but we're continuing today in 1 Corinthians, a passage you started last week. And so we're going to look at the last few verses, really just the last four verses that we find in chapter 9, because we, we went up through that. Uh, we went up through, from 1 through 23 last week, and today we're only doing 24 through 27. So we had to get out here in a, in a decent amount of time compared to last week with so many verses. But uh, we're going to do that. Last week we looked at that larger section of the chapter in which Paul talked about his motives for ministry. What motivated the Apostle Paul? What were his foundational principles that he lived by? And he talked about what it means to live a purpose-filled life um, and, and, 
And so we saw how Paul said in verse 16, Woe to me uh, if I do not preach the gospel. That's what compelled him. He was compelled to preach, he said. And so he said, woe to me if I don't. Then down in verse 22, you remember, he said this. He said, I become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And so Paul says that was his principle. He said, what can I do to reach people for Jesus Christ? I want people to be saved. I want them to know Jesus. And now today we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And we're going to take a closer look at these four verses, the last part of chapter 9, where Paul's now talking about um, living your life and pursuing your calling like it means everything in the world because it does. Remember last week we said that that, um, every calling is important, and that means your calling is important. And we need to live out that calling as if, Everything depended on it because it does. And we all have a calling. If you are saved, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God didn't save you just so he could leave you here and do nothing. He saved you so that you could serve, so that you had a calling. He gave you a reason to be here. Otherwise, we would just get saved and go straight to heaven. Because we would be of no useful purpose if God didn't give us a a calling. So every Christian has a calling. And it's our responsibility to live out that calling as if it was the greatest thing in the world. Because it is. And we see Paul's attitude expressed in these four verses. And when you read these four verses, uh, I hope that you come to the same conclusion that I do. That there's one word perhaps, that just really jumps out of, of all of this. And it's not even in the, it's not actually in the passage, but the idea of it is all through these four verses. And it's wrapped up in the word tenacity. Tenacity. Tenacity can be defined as this persistent determination to hang on and never let go. Just says, whatever it is I'm called to do, whatever I'm doing, I am not letting go of it. I'm just going to hang on and I'm going to do it. Another way of saying that is to stay with something through the very end. I'm not going to start something and quit in the middle. I'm going to just stay with it to the end. I am not quitting. And so that's what we see in these verses. That was Paul's attitude toward his ministry and toward his calling. And I want you to know that that is an attitude that every one of us, every believer um, who has that has a calling on his life, and that is every Christian, they, we need to emulate what Paul did. Paul said, I'm not quitting. I am not going to stop. We need to have that same tenacity because without that tenacity, nothing we do will ever last. It won't have any lasting impact. So what would be the purpose of being here as a Christian if what we do doesn't have a lasting impact on people around us? And so, we want to live with tenacity. We need to put that into practice. And I can guarantee you that when you take on a role of leadership in any area, 
And we all find ourselves doing some kind of leadership at some point in most of our lives. Um, it could be at home. It could be at work. It could be in church. It could be in the community. It could be anywhere. Just all kinds of places where you go and you find yourself suddenly with a leadership role. And you maybe didn't even plan it, but now you're there. I'll guarantee you that if you are at that point, that they will have an opportunity at some point in that leadership role to throw in the towel, to quit. To say, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Nobody's paying attention anymore. I'm out of here. It happens in all leadership. It happens to every leader. If you do it long enough, you're going to come to that point where that's going to happen. Um, where, where the, it will seem like the most attractive option to you is to let it all go and walk away. And say, I'm done. I don't need to be doing this anymore. And at that point, when you decide to keep on, when you decide to live with tenacity, when you say, I'm going to keep on in spite of the challenges, I'm going to keep going, in spite of the difficulties, you earn your stripes at a, as a leader at that point. That's when you really become a leader. That's where people start to notice who you are because they notice what you're going through. And they say, but they're not quitting. And so you earn your stripes. You earn it as a, them as a leader. You earn your stripes as a spouse. You earn your stripes as a parent and a grandparent when you don't give up as a servant of God. But you have to decide you're not going to quit. You have to decide that you're not going to give up. And there's a sad truth in all of this, in this whole leadership spectrum, wherever you find yourself in leadership. And the sad truth is, most of our failures are the result of quitting too soon. We just quit too soon. We get tired. We find it difficult. We're struggling, and we say the easiest path is to quit. And we might be on the verge of, of just a wonderful time of leadership. You know, it, it really is one thing to be defeated on a playing field, and you've given it your all, and the, others, the other team scores one more point than you did, and you lose that way. But it's another thing to simply give up in the middle of the game. To give up in the middle of the contest and to walk away. To say, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm not doing any more. Your purpose in life has to be pursued with tenacity. That says, I'm going to hang on and I'm not going to let go. So what does tenacity, what does, what does it mean? I think tenacity is summarized by three words. And Paul is showing those three words today in these verses. Tenacity is shown by the word direction. It is shown by the word determination. And by the word discipline. Direction, determination, discipline. In four verses, Paul does nothing but talk about those three words. 
He demonstrates them. He illustrates them. He says, this is what we need to do. He said, this is how I live my life. This is a call that we all have. If you look at every person who has accomplished something great in their life, you're going to see these three words used. They're going to be used to describe them, whether, it's, whether, it's, whether it is um, they're in, in their work ethic, uh, it is direction, it's determination, it's discipline. And you see these qualities not only in great leaders today, but we see them in great leaders of yesterday. We see them in biblical leaders in the Bible. There are so many different people that we could look at uh, today to do that. But the Apostle Paul who wrote this book of 1 Corinthians is a great example of these words. He preached sermons. He, he planted churches. He won souls for Christ. He made disciples. He wrote books of the Bible. And he faced all kinds of opposition along the way. The whole time he was doing that, he was facing sickness. He was facing poverty. He was facing persecution he was abandoned he was facing imprisonment and ultimately he gave up his life but what did he do as long as he could he kept on he kept on he kept on he said I am going to be tenacious I'm going to be a bulldog about this I am not giving up I'm just going to keep on keeping on until he was finally able to say, as he says in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What a great thing to be able to say about your life, to say about your ministry, that I have finished the race. I have finished the course. And now God's going to take me home. But I'm not going to quit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is talking about his philosophy of ministry. In these last four verses, he's uh, are among my favorite verses in the entire Bible. These just speak to my heart. Um, they, they have all kinds of, 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 of motivation for me. And today we're going to take a look up these verses, um, and, and hopefully a few others as we take aim at this essential quality of tenacity. So this morning, in the time that we have, I want us to look at three imperatives that you must resolve to live by if you intend to live a life like it really matters. If you think your life and your purpose, your calling matters, then what are the imperatives that you need to live by? The first one, Paul says, is don't look back. Don't look back. Instead, pay attention to your direction. Instead, pay attention to your direction. Don't look back. Pay attention to where you're going. Look at what direction you're headed. Pay attention. Jesus talked about the same thing. In in. The Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus said this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He said, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be a part of the kingdom work, if you want to live out your calling, Jesus said, then you can't look back. Because if you're looking back, you're not going to be any use to my kingdom. So if you want, he says, the Christian life is a life of looking forward, not looking back. 
So we need to incorporate that into our lives. Life can't be lived in reverse, according to Jesus. It can only be lived moving forward. Every time somebody came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you, but I got to go backwards for a while. He says, sorry, can't be part of the work. You make a choice. You either go forward with me or you're not going with me at all. And we don't like that because we like looking back. We like living in the past. And Jesus said, you can't. And Paul comes along and just echoes the same thing Jesus was saying. He said, we have to live forward. We can't look back. We have to pay attention to the direction that we're going. Someone uh, that you might, might know his name, W.A. Criswell, was the, the pastor of the, of, the, of, the, of the historic First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. And, and I, had, I had an opportunity to actually spend a few moments alone with him one day, early one morning, uh, up at a, in, over in California when we were, he was a speaker at our, at our pastor's conference um, at, at retreat that we had every year in California for Southern Baptist pastors. And he was there talking. And, and, and so I'd gotten up early to go run and, and he had, I don't know what time he got up, but breakfast was going on time I got back and, and got cleaned up and I was walking to the to the to the chapel where he'd be speaking and he was walking that way I don't know I guess he'd not gone to breakfast either because nobody else was out and all of a sudden it was just me and him alone and I thought man this is really cool I, I studied his book one of his books that he wrote was the work of the pastor and I studied that that was one of our required reading books when I was when I took a class in college at Cal Baptist College at that time. Um, the work of the pastor was the name of the course and, and the book, the work of the pastor that he wrote was one of the textbooks that we used. And so I had, I had, I had modeled a lot of my ministry at that point on what, we, what I learned in that class and what he had said. And I thought, I'll never get a chance to meet him. And here we are walking. And you know what was really interesting? He was more interested in me than I was in him, apparently. And so we got a few minutes and he just asked me all kinds of questions about me and my life and my family and the work and all those types of things. And I thought, man, that just made an impact on my life. And a man that walked, somebody that worked with him, one of the men that worked with him for a lot of years, said, this is what I heard him say over and over and over and over again in over 50 years of pastoring that historic church. He was known to say more than anything else, don't look back. Don't look back. You can't live in reverse. You can only move forward when you're driving forward with your life. And so just don't look back. And if you're careful, excuse me, if you're not careful, you know what will happen to your life? You can waste away your life. You can just absolutely waste it. If you're looking at where you've been, if you're always reliving past hurts, if you're reliving past mistakes, if you're, if you're reliving past regrets and past failures, you can waste your whole life thinking, if only, if only, if only I had done it differently. God never calls you to ask that question. He never calls you to look back. 
He says, I want you to live forward. And those who serve in leadership roles are especially prone to this. It's an amazing thing because the wins and the losses just sit on the shoulders and the backs of leaders. And they think all of that weight is something that they have to bear. And because we're human beings, we don't bear it all that well. I read about one basketball coach who 15 years after a championship game still beats himself up because of the choices he made coaching that game and his team lost. You wonder who the coach was? Wasn't the coach of the Lakers. Wasn't the coach of the Suns. Wasn't the coach of the ASU Sun Devils basketball team. He's a coach of a boys little league basketball game. And he'd made a choice that he said, maybe that wasn't the right choice. I should have some, did something different. Fifteen years still beating himself up because of one choice that he made in leadership. And, and to be clear, it's good to learn from our mistakes so that we don't repeat them again and again and again, but it's a bad idea to wallow in them. To just bring them up every day to have this list on the side of your wall in your bedroom that says I made this mistake and this mistake and this mistake and you go over them every day and you wallow in them that's not healthy that doesn't help you spiritually that doesn't help you complete the tasks that God has given to you it doesn't get you to the finish line it keeps you in neutral or going backwards and so Paul says we need to go on Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, Paul was able to say, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for or toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in today's text, here in 1 Corinthians 9, and verse 26, he says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. What's he talking about? He's talking about the direction that his life is going. He's talking about setting that direction and keeping his eyes, keeping focused. He's, he's talking about living forward rather than backward. Remember last week, I shared with you about um, the, the, the late George Allen, who was an NFL uh, football coach who had a sign on his desk for years that said, it is, it is what I'm doing moving me Close, are taking me closer to the, my ultimate goal of winning. He said, am I moving forward? Am I moving in the right direction? And every day, rather than wallowing in the, in the mistakes he'd made as a head coach, he was saying, but what am I doing to move forward today? Where is it God's taking me in this job that he's given to me? What am I supposed to do? And that's what we need to do. We need to learn to ask ourselves this question every day. Every one of us needs to have this and on our top of our question list. Am I pursuing the prize? Or am I still parked in the past? I'm either moving forward toward the prize for which God has called me heavenward, 
or I'm parked in all my mistakes with the past. And my car's not moving anymore. Which do you think God wants us to do? You think God wants you to sit parked and doing nothing? Or would we rather have you moving forward to the prize for which he's calling us? And so pay attention to the direction. Live your life like it matters. Make sure the direction you are headed is, is and, and make it a point to never look back. Secondly, not only does he say never look back, he says, I'm going to live my life with this intention. Don't give up. Just don't give up. Instead, what should we do? He says, stay determined. Don't give up. Stay determined in the direction that you're going. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon said the verse that is our memory verse for the week that we just read a little while ago, Proverbs 24, 16. Let's read it again out loud. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity. He said, just don't give up. You're going to fall down, but get up. It's not, what, it's not that we never make mistakes, because we certainly do. At least I know you all do. And Barb tells me I do, so I guess we all do. We make mistakes. The question is, do we stay beaten down by mistakes, or do we get up? Do we decide to rise again and move forward? The difference, however, is we don't use the mistakes as an excuse to quit. We get back up and we try again. William Blake, who wrote a couple hundred years ago, said this, Mistakes are easy. Mistakes are inevitable. But there is no mistake so great as the mistake of not going on. Just stopping, just quitting. And saying, I give up. I'm going to throw in the towel now. When you fall down, or when life knocks you down, or when the battle seems to go on forever, that's when you're most likely to quit, to give up, to say, I'm done, I'm finished. And that's when you most need to press a little harder and and push a little further. I know all of you are Rocky Balboa fans. You can't wait for those movies to be on TV and to watch them again and again. Um, there's a, in the movie, though, Rick, Rocky Balboa, there's a little scene where so, so Sylvester Stallone, who's Rocky Balboa, is, in case for those of you who somehow never saw one of those movies or never heard of that, um, he's talking to his son about tenacity in life. Without using the word tenacity, he's just saying, he's saying this, is, this is how you move forward. This is how you go on without quitting. And he tells him about the world that we live in. He says, this world is not a nice place. He said, this world is going to beat you up. He says, it's mean, it's nasty, and no matter how tough you are, some, it will sometimes beat you to your knees and keep you there if you let it. And then he says this to his son. Pay attention to the screen for a moment. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. 
It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That's how winning is done. Not exactly good grammar. <laughs> However, everything else, every, uh, every kind of, of objective test that you could give to it says it's true. What he said was true. That's life. That's how we have to choose to live. That's how winning is done. It's never a question of getting knocked down or even falling down because that's going to happen. That's inevitable. It's a question of whether or not we're going to get back up. Are we going to stay down? Are we going to get up? Another famous philosopher, Babe Ruth, said this, you just can't beat a person who never gives up. I guess another way to say that is a man who won't be stopped can't be stopped. And then Ross Perot, you remember that name? He said, most people give up just when they're about to achieve success. They quit on the, on, on the, they quit on the one yard line. They never give up the last, they never, they never give up at the last minute of the game, one foot away um, from, excuse me, they give up uh, one foot away at the last minute of the game, one foot away from a winning touchdown. That's so true. The Apostle Paul said it in today's text in verse 24, run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way that you win. Run in such a way that you claim the calling, the high calling for which God has called us heavenward. You live like it matters. You don't give up before you cross the finish line. You run with determination. You say, I am determined to live out my calling in this world. And then thirdly, Paul says, don't throw it away. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't look back. Don't give up. And then don't throw it away. Instead, remain disciplined. Remain disciplined in your life. And if you're like most of us, you hate discipline. You say, I'm too free-spirited. I don't need discipline in my life. Yes, you do. Every one of us needs discipline in our lives. Verse 27, here in chapter 9, Paul said, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. There's this really ironic life lesson in here somewhere that Paul is talking about. And we see it played out all the time, all around us. When we fail, what happens? We struggle with the temptation to quit, don't we? I tried that and it didn't work out so well, I guess I'm going to quit. I tried teaching that class of boys and girls. They were lousy kids, I quit. They're broken kids, I quit. So we quit. We, we failed, so we quit. 
without having to admit we failed, we just stop. But then we have success. And then when success comes, what happens? We struggle with the temptation to coast. I worked so hard to be a success, to win, and now that I got there, I'm going to put it in neutral. I'm just going to coast along. I did the hard work. Now I don't care anymore. I don't have to work so hard. Or we are tempted to compromise. Or we're, to, we're, we're tempted to give a little less than 100% from here on out. And once we've succeeded, we will inevitably find ourselves presented with the opportunity to throw it all away. You work so hard to get there. So hard to win. And as soon as you do, Satan comes along and he says, okay, you don't have to do this anymore. You don't have to work so hard anymore. You can kick back and relax. You can coast. You can compromise your principles. It's okay now. And there are more examples that we could just mention today than, than Carter's Got Pills of people who do that. Or who have done that. There are people in ministry. There are people in business. People in politics. People in sports. People in the entertainment industries. And especially in our relationships with other people. Even with our spouses and our kids. We either feel like we failed and we want to quit. Or we succeeded and we want to quit. Or coast, or compromise, or just kick back and do much, not much of anything. And when you get what you've always wanted, you will be given at some point a chance to just throw it away. And already names of people have come to mind for you. Some of them are, are athletes, some of them are politicians, some of them are actors and actresses. Some of them are, are, are people maybe that you know. But what happens when we see it happen with the rich and famous, what do we do? We go, tss, tss, shame on them. They got everything. They got millions of dollars. Look at what they have and they're throwing it all away. Shame on them. It's easy to look at people who are rich and famous and say, I'd never do that. But I want you to think with me for just a moment logically. If the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, if the Apostle Paul was honest enough in this passage of Scripture to say, I am in danger of getting to the place where I want to quit. And it would be so easy to do. And if I do, I won't win the prize. If the Apostle Paul can get to that point where he would quit, what chance do we have of not facing that in our lives? You will get that opportunity to quit, to throw it all away. All that you worked hard, you may have worked decades to get to that point, and then you do one stupid thing and you say, well, I'm... It's all gone. And you throw it out. 
You throw all the work away, all the hard work that you've done up until that point. Think of any high-profile Christian that you want. Maybe it's Max Lucado who writes so many great books that we read and study. Maybe it is, um, maybe it is someone like, like um, Dr. Robert Jeffries, who is now the pastor at, at that, that historic First Baptist Church of Dallas. And ladies, uh, on Tuesday morning, you're studying one of his books that he wrote right now on the Ten Commandments. That's what you've been studying. Maybe it is something as new as this new Christian leader in the sports field, Brock Purdy, the, the, the quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, who just took his team to the Super Bowl. And we think, yeah, man, those people are pretty good. doesn't matter who it might be. There's something that they have in common with every person. You have something in common with all of those, Max Lucado and Dr. Jeffries and Brock Purdy. You know what you have in common with them and they have in common with you? Even though maybe nobody knows our names and nobody cares, but we still have in common the very truth that if either of us are going to grow spiritually, whether it's Max Cato or, or, or Dr. Jeffries or Brock Purdy or you or me. If any of us are going to grow spiritually, we have to do the exact same things. There's no difference in how we reach spiritual maturity. There's no difference in how we get to the finish line spiritually. If we're going to be successful... We have to do the same thing. They have to do the same thing that you and I have to do. And we have to do the same things that they have to do to get to that point. We have to take the same steps. We have to commit to the same spiritual disciplines in our lives. We have to commit to Bible study. We have to commit to, to prayer and worship and service and fellowship with believers. You cannot grow spiritually if you don't do those. They don't continue to grow spiritually if they don't do those. They don't get to a point where they say, I'm so successful, I can coast now. And we don't get so successful that we get to that point where we say, I can coast now. We don't get to an age where we say we can coast now. Not when it comes to spiritual maturity. It is still, am I in God's word? Am I studying God's word every day? Am I praying every day? Am I in worship on a regular basis? Am I worshiping at home, privately with the Lord? Am I worshiping on Sunday uh, with a group of believers? Am I in fellowship with them? Am I serving in my church? Am I serving my community? Am I touching people's lives? That's discipline. And it never ends until we get to heaven. If you think you've arrived and you're still here alive, you haven't arrived yet. It keeps going. It doesn't matter how many candles are on your last birthday cake. You keep moving forward 
in a disciplined lifestyle. You have to do those. There's no, um, there's, there's no level of achievement that exempts anyone who's a Christian from those disciplines. You realize athletes, professional athletes, never get to a place in their, in their endeavors, no matter how long they've been moving forward. Even somebody who's headed to the Hall of Fame, they're a Hall of Fame caliber player or athlete, that they don't have to stretch before every game or every contest. If you go down to a baseball game to watch you know, a game down in, in, the, in, the, in Phoenix, you're going to see both teams out on the field an hour, hour and a half before the game starts. And what are they doing? They're stretching and they're exercising. And it doesn't matter if they are a brand, brand new rookie or if they've been on the team for 10 or 12 years and they're on the way to the, super, um, to the to Hall of Fame a few years after they retire. They're stretching. Because they know the truth. If I don't put in the discipline, if I don't do the work, I can't achieve. I can't finish the race that I'm called to finish. And so they do the things that are necessary in the same way, Christians never get to the point where we, where we can say, I, where the basics of the Christian life are just not necessary anymore. If you think that's true, you're listening to Satan. If you think you don't have to be involved in those spiritual disciplines, you will not win. You can't win. You still have to be disciplined. There never comes a point in your spiritual life where you never have to forgive other people. There never comes a point in your spiritual life where you never have to stop loving your enemies or where you get to stop serving humanity. You never get to the point where you don't have to give sacrificially and you never come to a point where you don't have to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ and his word. It doesn't happen for any Christian who wants to win. For any Christian who says, this is the calling and I'm going to live out my calling as if it matters for eternity because it does. I have to be disciplined in my life. And so you walk with discipline. And that's the way living the, the Christian life looks the same. It looks the same for the old saint who's been around and saved for the last 60 years as it does for the new convert who only got saved yesterday. We have the same disciplines that we have to do. And those who live like it matters understand this principle. They understand that the Christian life requires the same discipline today that it required 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. For some of you, 80 years ago. It is the same discipline. 
It does not change. It is what we are called to do. You never reach that place where you can coast the remainder of your calling. Billy Graham said this. A man who, who lived out his calling right until the end. I mean, they almost had to keep him tied up in bed when he was in his 90s because he still wanted to go out and do huge revival campaigns and crusades. He said this, we Christians ought to carry written on our hearts the solemn truth of how short a time we have to witness for God. Whatever we are going to do for Christ, we had better do it now, he said. We had better be sharing our testimony while we have the power. If we're ever to study the scriptures, if we're ever to spend time in prayer, if, we're ever, uh, if we are, are ever to win souls for Christ, if we are ever to invest our finances for his kingdom, it must be now. You may not have tomorrow, but you do have today, he said. Apostle John said in John 9, 4, well, actually, it was Jesus who was speaking. He said, as long as it's today, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as it's day, as long as we're here, we have to be disciplined. We have to be disciplined to do the work. And those who live like it matters never sell out and they never set their calling aside even when success makes it possible to do so. Instead, we continue to run full speed until the finish line is crossed. Tenacity. Direction. Determination. Discipline. Direction means you don't look back. You don't live in the past. You keep moving forward. Determination means you don't give up. Not even when it's easiest to give up. Instead, you get up and you just try again. And discipline means you don't sell out. You don't kick back. You don't coast. You cross the finish line with the same level of commitment that you demonstrated coming off the starting line. You just keep moving forward. We must remain tenacious in our lives, friends. It's the only way to get to the finish line. It's the only way to say, God, I'm pleasing you with my life. It means that you never stop moving forward because you never quit. May we all live each day of our lives like every moment matters because it certainly does. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, thank you for reminding us again that you have a plan for us. You've given us a calling. You have a reason for us being here. But we have one who stands in the way. 
Satan, the great liar, lies to us daily. And even when we win, he tells us, okay, now we can quit. Now we can kick back. Now we can coast. Help us to not live a life under the direction of Satan. Help us to live in conformance with your word. Help us to live with tenacity. To be tenacious in keeping on, keeping on in the direction that we will go. Determined not to give up. Disciplined so that we have the tools to move forward. Father, for that one or for those who are here today or who are listening to us online who have never trusted Jesus to be Savior and Lord, who have no reason to know why they're here, whose only reason maybe is to somehow get enough money, to get enough fame, to get enough glory, or maybe just to get by to the end of life and say, I live a normal life. Father, help them to understand that that normal life is anything but normal. That normal life isn't anything but eternal. Father, today, let them see eternal. Let them see the eternity that you have for them in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, your son who came into this world and, and never looked back, but with determination and discipline, lived a life of perfection here on earth for 33 and a half years and then went to the cross and died to pay the price for our sins. Let them see Jesus. Let them understand that without what he offers, the salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and eternal life, that everything they do here means nothing. Father, we pray that today would be the day that their life changes for eternity. Now, Father, help us as we make decisions of how we're going to make choices today and how we're going to make choices tomorrow and the day after and the day after. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. If God's speaking to you, won't you come? If you need to speak with somebody or to pray with somebody, if you need to know Jesus as your Savior, if you need to follow in believers' baptism, in church home, whatever it may be, you come. We'd be glad to speak with you and pray with you. Thank you for joining us today for Faith Point. Reach us online at firstsouthernpv.org or stop by to worship with us if you are in the Prescott Valley area. May God richly bless you today as you allow your faith to intersect with your life.